0: Scott Colborn with exploring unexplained phenomena Good morning, Lincoln, Nebraska. Good morning world. How are you? I've got some French roast in my cup, and it is uh it's great. I've already sampled it. Jim, have you tried your coffee yet? May we? How's your week been, Jim? Oh, the usual i'm I'm
1: vertical. I'm working, I'm sleeping. Can't complain too much
0: okay that's that's a that's a lot from you. We'll move on. Um, we've got a great program. We'll start with Charlene and Pet Talk. Then we've got Paula Harris, UFOs, ETs, and ExoPolitics. Jim, our main guest, it's one of my favorite subjects. It's on dreams. Jan Lindgren's with us again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be talking about dreams, dream interpretation, and taking a listener call so you can talk to um, Jan about your dream, and she'll give you... Some great pointers. Okay, let's start the program with Charlene and Pet Talk, and she should be right there. Hi, Charlene.
2: Good morning.
0: Good morning. How are you and the crew?
2: Doing really well, thank you.
0: What's going on in terms of activities at the Capital Humane Society?
2: Uh, we are always having uh, dogs and cats available for adoption. We are looking forward to having a lot of visitors come in and consider a new pet today. Um, So if you are looking for a feline or a canine, we hope you'll stop by our Pylock Pet Adoption Center.
0: Let's have some fun. How about we start with cats?
2: Okay. So we will start with Cinder, a really cute cat. (laughs) Cinder has unique markings, white and gray, two years old, a neutered male, Obviously an intelligent cat, bright-eyed, looking for a family that will appreciate his, uh, him being a smart sidekick.
1: It does kind of look like he's rolled around in the ash pile a little bit, doesn't <laughs> it? Oh, but Beautiful white and gray and black. What a nice-looking cat.
0: I think this is the first cinder that we've ever had, Jim. Uh-huh. Cinder's buddy or playmate is?
2: Jiffy. And Jiffy is a cute orange tabby cat, about nine months old, a neutered male, short fur. He is kind of shy, so he's looking for a nice home that's quiet, where he can be happy. And we know he's going to be a great friend to someone.
1: And if you call him, he comes in a Jiffy.
2: (laughs) There you go.
0: There you go. Okay, we've got two cats. They are better than one. And how about a third cat in our triumphant of cats today?
2: We'll talk about Rosie, who's nine months old, a spade female, and she's mostly black with the white tuxedo markings. Uh, very cute, looking for a nice warm home where she can snuggle up and be your best friend.
1: Oh, God, she looks like a Rosie, you know?
2: <laughs> she does. Yeah. I
1: think
3: it's a she good name.
1: A, that front paw lifted up? Yeah, like yeah. she's going to go after it.
0: <laughs> you kitty. Oh, that's a great picture. Oh, yeah. Kudos to your photographer out there. Uh, Cinder, Jiffy, and Rosie, uh, three great cats. When you go to CapitalHumaneSociety.org, you can click on the thumbnail, and they will pop open and show you a lot more information. Better yet, you can go out and see these cats and more in person. Here's Charlene with hours open.
2: Please visit us at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. We are open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 530.
0: Okay, we've got dogs for adoption. We've got some great dogs. Who's up first?
2: We'll start with Pretty Girl, and she's one of our little dogs, about uh, 11 pounds, 13 years young, a rat carrier, She's very, very, very shy, but then once she trusts you, she'll just walk right up into your lap and curl up. And so she's looking for a family that has a nice, quiet home where she can feel safe, and then she'll just curl up and snuggle.
0: Look at that. She just looks adorable.
2: She does.
0: She's one of our senior dogs, and she's looking for a great home. Take a look at at prettygirlcapitalhumanesociety.org. And who's, who's her sidekick or playmate?
2: Bubba, (laughs) and Bubba is a pit bull mix, 60 pounds, about 11 months old, lots and lots and lots of energy, so needs somebody who likes to go for walks and runs, Um, he'll need daily exercise, and needs to meet other dogs and kids to make sure everyone's gonna get along, and he's the perfect fit for your family.
0: Bubba, 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 okay, (laughs) great looking dog, pretty girl Bubba, and then there's
2: Next up is Hercules, and Hercules is also a pit bull mix, about 68 pounds, two years old, really has a sweet face. You can see there. He's just very loving, wants to please, handsome, looking for a family that will treasure his companionship, and he'll need plenty of exercise and also to meet other dogs and kids to make sure he's right for you, Um, but we know the right family is out there, and we hope they will stop in soon.
0: Pretty Girl, Bubba, and Hercules, three great dogs. Take a look at their pictures at CapitalHumaneSociety.org and uh, go out and see them this weekend. Charlene, remind the good folks about ours open today and tomorrow.
2: We will be open at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center today and tomorrow from 11 to 530.
0: Oh, well, We had a little bit of snow um, to kind of kick off this weekend, and uh, we may have a little bit more next week. It's supposed to snow. It's winter. Uh, and uh, it's, gotten, <laughs> it's gotten winter cold again, so I think I'm still adjusting. Uh,
2: yes, <laughs> yeah, we were kind of spoiled there, and it was definitely brisk outfit th- today, but uh, it's beautiful, and it's sunny, so that's nice.
0: And I think we're going to get back up in the 40s here, too. So, Okay, Charlene, thank you for all that you do. It's great to have our, our lays on with you. Have a great rest of weekend, and we hope that lots of people go out and adopt dogs and cats.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Have a great day. Charlene and friends of the Capital Humane Society, make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. And uh, I'm Scott Colborn. And Jim, you've already had some coffee, so I'm going to try some of... Go ahead
1: and take it. You get done with that. We can bring Paula on here.
0: Mmm. We're drinking French roast today. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you, Scott. Paula Harris is with us now, and Paula is from that direction. Over there. <laughs> She's over there. Hey, Paula, how are you?
4: I'm I'm doing well, and I just took a swig of Sumatra blend coffee Ooh. after you guys were
1: talking.
0: <laughs> I love Sumatra. Yeah, Jim and I both like Sumatra. That's that's great. Uh, Paula, yeah. it's always great to have you on. Understand that that you were just on. Uh, Jimmy Church's radio show. How did you like that experience?
4: Well, it was good, but I didn't expect the intensity and the, um, the, the level of depth that we went into on the UFO phenomenon because I think Jimmy, like you and like a lot of other people, is looking for answers. So the conversation got to the point where, what do you think is really going on? And when you go there, when you go to, what do you think is really going on in all your years of research? Can you give me some some tidbits, some wisdom? It gets very, very heavy. Mm -hmm. So that's what the conversation was about, and he had me thinking, and then, you know, he asked me a question, like, if they came down, uh, the ship came down, and and they asked you to get aboard, would you go? And I said, no, I love Colorado (laughs) too much. (laughs) And uh, he didn't understand why I wouldn't just get on some spaceship and go off into space.
0: Probably for the same reason that if uh, you were out walking in one of the malls there and a car pulled up and said, hey, girl, get in. (laughs) you'd probably say, well, thanks anyhow, but I'm doing just fine. That's
4: the same reason, but I also don't want to escape anything that I love. And um, you know, Scott, because you've been here, you've been to Estes Park, how gorgeous it is.
0: Oh, geez, for a lot of us Nebraskans, Estes Park was like the mecca, the vista that beckoned. Mm -hmm. And we'd drive out there, uh, Interstate 80, and we'd... we'd, uh, Get into Colorado and say okay who can who can see the mountains first?
1: uh-huh, when I see, I think I would go if they would let me drive the spaceship
4: <laughs> that's a guy thing to say yeah. <laughs> yes, that's pretty much a guy thing, yeah, 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 that, yeah, probably you could
0: Paula, you've been doing a lot of work um in Central and South America too. um do the experiences of people down there? Um Fit in a, uh, a narrative with other experiences from around the world? Are they unique or different? Um, and I, I imagine probably a lot of what we hear is somewhat moderated by the the media. So what's going on in Central and South America?
4: Well, you know, I just sent you a clip, a video clip of my trip to Peru with Ricardo Gonzalez. The thing is that in Latin America, especially in Peru and the Andes, the the people that live there, the ordinary people, the people of the villages, know that this phenomenon is real because they interact with the cosmos. They're not so distracted. They don't live in a materialistic world. So what happens is that the ancient knowledge, the ancient cultures, had the truth. I mean, I ended up in Shavin looking at an ancient monolith. I mean, the vibration that came from that thing just changed my whole entire being. Um, And uh, talking to the shamans in the area, these people have wisdom that we can't even imagine. And then I even, like, in the bed and breakfast where I was... Uh, Scott, I talked to the the people that owned it, you know, they were a little old couple, and I said, have you ever seen any extraterrestrials? And they said, yes, space people came in to talk to our children in their bedrooms while they were sleeping, mm. and they saw these space people, and I thought, and not they weren't little gray aliens, and I said, mm. really? so i really understood that whatever is visiting us or whoever it is probably is much more prominent in latin america where the people are open to communication with ancient cultures so we got a lot of those testimonies we went to a museum where there were totally elongated skulls and you know people hadn't even seen them they hadn't been commercialized i'm looking at these skulls going no way is that anything i've ever seen before and I think that the ancient truths and, and communication and contact is much more prevalent in places like Peru, Chile, Uruguay, Paraguay, Bolivia, than it ever will be in Chicago, Indiana, Ohio, or any place
0: else. When we look at a, a uh, an experience like this that is extraordinary, we have a couple of ways to react. Um, Gerald Jampolsky used to talk about making a conscious choice between choosing love and fear. If we choose fear, then we automatically assume that it's going to be negative and that we better protect ourselves and that means we better have some sort of big gun to ward off this menace. Uh, Have you seen anything, Paula, in your years that would cause you to be fearful?
4: Not at all. Yes, humans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The reaction of human beings, the reaction that we have to things that we don't know anything about or that we're afraid of or that we've been conditioned by religions or our parents or our cultures, To fear, Um, humans are who we should fear, and I don't need to say much, Scott, for you to understand that today, in the political situation of today. We could start an an instant war that'll eliminate everybody, eliminated a whole bunch of people on an airplane that were just flying out, you know, to go home. Uh, If people aren't afraid of that, I don't know what they're afraid of. Uh, You know, you can't even get on an airplane and be safe. I'm interested, though, what our relationship is to the cosmos, which is, I want to know when you're looking up at the sky, when you go for a walk, what your relationship is to the stars, the planets, the cosmos, the entire universe. Um, You know, even Stephen Hawking and, and a lot of other people mentioned, don't look down, look up for your answers. So I've that most of my life looking up and trying to figure it out, and 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 having the luck, and and the, yeah, and it is luck of having met the most incredible people in my journey mm-hmm. that are trying to answer my questions, and you know, from Heineck to Valle to uh, Colonel Corso to all the people that I've I've worked with uh, in in the field that are providing answers for me. Uh, and as even as I'm talking to you, I'm reading a book called The Flip by uh, uh, Jeffrey Cripple, who's the professor of, um, of religious studies in Rice University, mm-hmm. where my archive is going. Who uh, who asks questions about the paranormal, what people call the paranormal, which is intimately threaded threaded in the UFO phenomenon. Doctor Cripple so is, is originally reality? from.
0: Dr. Cripps is originally from uh, Nebraska, and uh, he's is been he? a, yeah he's been a past guest on the show.
4: Has he? Oh my God! I'm going to get to meet him in March. I'm going down to Rice <clears throat> because that's where my archives are going, and uh, I want to meet him and have dinner with him and look at the university and talk to the grad students. My goodness, everybody's from
0: nebraska <laughs> <laughs> oh, please 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 uh uh extend our, our our greeting to to dr cripple there um paula uh, I
4: absolutely well, I know you just saw Steve Berg
0: yeah Steve thanks to you um I was introduced to the actor uh and comedian Steve Berg he's originally from Omaha Nebraska now lives out in l a and uh I met Steve through Paula at the StarWorks conference, the Star Wars UFO conference, last November. And Steve and I have formed a friendship. We had lunch uh, about 10 days ago, and uh, he has agreed to come on the show uh, on kind of a rotating basis during 2020 on a fifth Saturday basis to uh, talk about uh, his pursuit of the, of the truth. He's, as you know, he's very interested in the UFO subject
4: yes i I do, and I am keeping in touch with him because these are the people that uh have curiosity about it, and they're the the communicators of the world. you know they were shooting a film, so yeah it's uh I'm very, very interested in you know where all this is going uh, you know, I was very happy to meet him at Laughlin, and uh of course, you're gonna be with us next year with all the robots in Laughlin. (laughs) And I wanna take a a few minutes to just say that Laughlin is worth it for people that come. Uh, And it's November 6th through 8th, it's UFOs and artificial intelligence, StarWorksUSA.com, and if people sign up now, they save $80, I mean, the whole package, 18 speakers, Two movies. We're going to screen James Fox's Phenomena um, and uh, the gala dinner cocktail party and so forth is only $270. So, you know, I'm hoping people will sign up because next year is going to be even bigger than last year.
0: Uh, it's a lot of fun. And when Paula says the robot, she's not talking about other speakers, she's talking about actual <laughs> artificial intelligence, parentheses, robots. And so uh, it'll be very, very interesting. Of course, I'm going to be there. I wouldn't miss it. Um, Paula, the camaraderie, the fellowship with all the the folks. Uh, I am uh, at times very gregarious, so I enjoy going out in the audience and meeting people and say, you know, I'm Scott from Lincoln, Nebraska. Who are you? What are you doing here? And it's so fun to hear these (laughs) stories. It is just so fun. So it's USA. And if you go there, you can find all the information about the conference. I hope to see a whole bunch of folks. We are going to have a lot of information for you. It'll be very meaningful. And it's a conference that focuses on consciousness as that modality, that interface between the ETs and humanity. And that's the nexus. That's the place that we go to. And it's very, very stimulating. So, Paula, thanks to you. We've got a lot to look forward to.
4: Thank you very much, Scott. It's a pleasure to have you with me and uh, have you meet all these wonderful people.
0: Okay, what are you doing, young lady, for the rest of the weekend? Have you had snow like we did?
4: No, I don't know how you got it when we didn't. It's sunny out there, but it is freezing. It is It is really, really cold and uh, I am just trying to enjoy the sunshine so go up in the mountains I'm going to take a short drive to up in the mountains I think the bank, back ranges are filled with snow cuz people are going skiing mm-hmm. so I'm just going to enjoy just the Colorado sunshine
0: Um I got up during the night and turned the heat up a little bit cuz I thought it was really cold so I'm still acclimating It too. is cold it
4: it is. It's a little bit colder than usual, but we have the beauty of the sunshine. Very, very you know, we're a mile high. We're we yep. we're a mile high, so our altitude puts us closer to the sun. So you have to wear sunglasses, <laughs> uh, but it's it's quite beautiful. It's just nature is beautiful. I find a lot of comfort in nature.
0: Paula, thanks for all that you do, and it's always great to talk with you. I'll look forward to more conversation in February. Yes. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you then.
4: All right, you take care, Scott.
0: Paula and friends, we will be at the Starworks USA UFO Symposium, and that's in Laughlin, Nevada, uh, the 6th through the 8th of November. More information at starworksusa.com. I'm Scott Colborn. We're going to take a break now, and we'll be back with our special guest. It's Dr. Jan Lindgren. She's got her doctorate in educational psychology, and we'll be talking about dreams and dream interpretation. Every night we go to sleep, we have this dream theater, and uh, the results are are pretty amazing. We're gonna dig into that right after this. Scott Colborne with Jim Shorney. We are exploring unexplained phenomena, and it's great to have you folks with us. And we've got uh, Dr. Jan Lindgren in the studio with us. And I wanna just uh, just for a moment continue the off mic, off air conversation. Yeah. Jan said, uh, Scott, what's your take on this mysterious stuff going on at night, these drones that are flying around? And uh, so it is very interesting. I understand the State Patrol has got a website now that if people see four or more, Mm -hmm. they want the report, and they're working closely with um, authorities. They're working with the people that uh, um, should know about this. To try to find out who's responsible. Um, Jan, what do you what do you take about this? What what's your what's your observation or opinion?
3: <clears throat> well, I'm just curious, and it doesn't seem to me that it would be connected with UFOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it has to be something local.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And and yet it seems to me to be too much for. <clears throat> an individual to handle you know i think of the crop circle thing in yeah. in england where they you know the problem was two guys old guys who were drunk you know <clears throat> out in the field and that to me seems so simplistic mm-hmm. that it had to be much more
1: Yeah, the crop circles are too precise for that they it has to be a well-planned well-executed thing
0: so uh drones have got uh commercial, she needs to have more headphone volume. Jim. Uh, Drones have got a flight time of 20 to 40 minutes. And so what that means is that um, after 20 to 40 minutes, they've got to land and get either recharged or change the batteries. Mm -hmm. Um, We were talking again off air that it seems like you could put people out there in the field with the good guy drones and when you spot this quote unquote swarm four more, wait just a little bit and then launch one of ours and simply track them back to where they go. Uh, Drones have to operate on line of sight. So it's a horizon to horizon deal, three to five miles. And uh, it shouldn't be too difficult to find um, who's sitting in a van, a box truck, et cetera. She needs help with the headphones there, Jim. (laughs) It shouldn't be too difficult to try to find um, where this operator is. Now, Jan and Jim, I'm aware that because of all the publicity, there are people now that are going to be flying their single drones, and I've I've talked to friends that have said, hey, I was on A Street at 27th and A, and I saw a drone. Well, there are a lot of single-use drones flying around. I have students, I teach music, and I have students that have talked about, yeah, I got a drone for Christmas, and it's real fun, but except when mine it, falls out of the sky yeah, and I've got to repair it. And it's
1: not the size of a Yugo either. Now, these are uh, between four to six feet mm-hmm, in wingspan, so these and are big. they there are groups of four or more flying a grid pattern. Yeah. So that's, that's not something Joe Hobbyist is going to do out of his garage.
0: Started in eastern Colorado and it's been coming east into Nebraska. Mm-hmm. We've had reports now in February, um, uh, Seward, Hastings, uh, the Columbus area, Norfolk. We've had reports from Lincoln, um, almost clear to the border now with Iowa. So, if people do uh, uh, do see something, you can look up that website. I don't have it handy. But if you went to the Nebraska State Patrol, you'd probably be able to find through their mechanism that website where they're asking for information,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and they'll forward that on to uh, the FAA. So, yeah, we've got this mystery going on, and uh, mysteries are, I think, good in that they cause us to be curious. Uh, curious is a good thing. Yes, it is. So, Jan, when did, when did you and I meet?
3: Um, <clears throat> excuse me.
0: My memory is is that you were doing a class
3: Oh, it was long before that I met you at a meeting At University Club uh, And the minister, Bob Palmer um, From uh, Westminster Was doing a talk on personality types
0: Oh my goodness
3: And I sat next to you and your mother
0: What a great memory you've got. And
3: I think you were sitting next to Bob Palmer.
0: I've forgotten that.
3: And that would have been probably in 1981.
0: Wow. The Myers-Briggs personality type indicator. So, Jan, tell the folks a little bit about your personal odyssey. I've talked about this being a program (coughs) where we're going to open the phone lines and have people call in if they have a dream they want to talk to you about. Um, I've also mentioned that I used to study in a private group with you, and uh, gained so much from this. What is there that we get from our dreams?
3: Well, you've asked me two questions. Mm-hmm. My personal odyssey, <laughs> and what do we get from our dreams? And I, I could talk about both
0: for the rest of <laughs> yeah, you
3: know. um, without any hesitation. But um, let's start a little bit with the personal odyssey. Um, my husband and I moved to from Iowa to <clears throat> Pocatello, Idaho, in 1967 after he finished his doctorate, and that I eventually went on to be working on my doctorate in guidance and counseling. And um, the second year, we had a fellow come from Zurich, Switzerland, to work on his doctorate at Idaho State, and he was there because of a dream that he had had when he was in Zurich. And uh, I'd always been interested in my dreams, had some remarkable dreams earlier in my life, and um, and I'd read Carl Jung's Memories, Dreams, and Reflections, and so I was interested in talking to Bob French and, um, about dreams, and um, that turned into an opportunity for me to work with him once or twice a week on my own dream interpretation. So I was <clears throat> in a program training me to work with with people um, psychologically um, and for good mental health and just good mental health practices. Um, and, um, and I added the dream analysis to that because of my work with Bob. And after about a year and a half, I had a dream that he interpreted to mean I was all done with Jungian psychology, and I, and he was done with. He wasn't going to work with me anymore because of that dream. So then I worked with his wife for about six months, and then Bob graduated and left and and uh, town, and um, and I continued to work with dreams all these years. That's over forty years. And so I have um, dream journals that go back over 40 years. And I have found it to be the, um, an incredible addition to my life, which otherwise is pretty ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, I was married for 40 years and six months, and Herb Bruce died kids. suddenly. Had four kids. My son Bruce died suddenly about eight and a half years ago. Um Bruce was in an accident. I learned an awful lot about head injury, more than I ever wanted to know. So, um, and I have discovered after all these years of paying attention to dreams, something I never would have anticipated, that people I love who were on the other side of the veil show up in my dreams. Just two nights ago, my dad was in the, my dream. And in this dream, I am young. Um, I got married at 20. The dr- I, in the dream, I am married, but I haven't had children yet. And uh, I'm doing some cleaning um, in, Gram- in Grandma Lindgren's um, kitchen and... Um, now I'm Grandma Lindgren, so I have, have uh, uh, to make that adjustment. But, um, and my dad shows up. I assume my mother is there as well. But my dad is 49 years old and comes to me as I'm standing at the kitchen sink and gives me a big hug. And, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful experience. And, you know, that happens because I'm paying attention to my dreams. I don't think it happens to me exclusively by any means. I think that can happen to all of us, but we have to be paying attention. And if we discount the experience and say, oh, it was just a dream, you know, I don't worry about my dreams or I don't want to know what's in my dreams, uh, we're going to miss out on those experiences.
0: So, Jen, uh, what you said just uh, 30 seconds ago, I think, is so important because um, understanding your dreams is not an elitist special club deal. No. It's not guidance just for a few people. No. It it is accessible for everyone.
3: Yes, but it takes effort.
0: And the, the Zen saying came to mind as you were talking about this when you put emphasis and recognize the validity of the information coming in the dream, that process of validation encourages more of that in the pipeline. So the Zen saying is, if you think so, so. If you think not so, not so. (laughs) Um, I'm holding here a hardbound journal. And the first page I open up to is October 11th, 1991. Okay. And this is my original or my first dream journal. From when our
3: group met on Wednesday night.
0: And uh, so I just, as we were talking here, I just... Uh, read the opening to this and it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, some years earlier, I actually had a real time experience with Senator James Exon,
1: okay. who appears
0: in my dream here. So what people can do to start this whole process is to put something, um, I keep this on my bathroom counter. And so that way, when I wake up during the night and that dream is fresh in my head or upon awakening in the morning, I can then grab this in the bathroom, turn the light on if I need to, and scribble something down. I found, Jan, that if I do just that, just write down bare bones, that just, seems to, to lock it into.
3: It's just enough to trigger the memory.
0: And if <clears throat> I don't do that, and I'm you know saying, okay, boy, this, I'm gonna remember this one, By the time I get up and start getting the dog ready to go out and make my coughing stuff, I go, wait a minute, where is that? It's gone. So locking that in just by jotting a few things down uh, really works. For people that uh, are opposed to writing, I've also used at time a (coughs) voice-actuated recorder.
3: Yes, that would work.
0: And so you could simply have this (laughs) voice-actuated recorder. You could simply turn over in bed and say, jim shorty was in my dream and he brought donuts <laughs> that would lock it into that short-term memory you can play it back then the the, the 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 next day then this is kind of a big jump but um the guitar player for the rolling stones keith richards actually wrote a best-selling song the riff in the first verse um, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Okay. He wrote that in a dream state. He was, uh, um, probably because of lifestyle choices, oftentimes he had trouble sleeping. So in this big bed, he had a reel-to-reel tape recorder right there, laying in the bed with him, and a guitar. So if he woke up and the muse hit, he could just simply lay there and grab a guitar and play and push the record button, and then put the guitar down to go back to sleep, etc.
3: And the key word there was the muse, the when muse. the muse hit. I think dreams come from the same place. In fact, the muse could be the dream maker.
0: The next morning when he woke up, he saw that the reel-to-reel machine had been used. The tape had been advanced, so he wound it back, and he heard the then he heard him, his voice mumbling this, what became the first verse of the song. So, the,
3: the audience can't see me smiling, but I'm smiling because <laughs> I delight in stories like this.
0: This is Dr. Jan Lindgren, and we're at this phone number. So if you've got a, a way to jot this down, the phone lines are open, and we'll take your phone call at 402-474-5086. And extension one is the um, extension to push. That's 402-474-5086. And we'll take your call. You can talk about your dream on air with Dr. Jan Lindgren. And what
3: you were just saying reminds me of uh, the story, which is factual about the fellow who invented the sewing machine. And the idea for how to handle the needle for the sewing machine came to him in a dream. And um, that's a a well-known fact. But there are so many stories like that. When my father was a young man, um, early 20s, and he was being trained to work with what then was new technology, Air conditioning and refrigeration. And at that point a lot of people just had ice boxes. And you hoped the ice didn't run out before the next winter.
0: They ate the food, yeah.
3: Uh well, I mean they they would store ice. We lived oh, near the, actual the Mississippi. Supply places. They'd mm-hmm. go to the Mississippi in the winter and cut ice and put them in ice houses and then people would buy ice um and put them in their ice box. And so my dad was being trained in the new technology and he would have dreams about how he could put panels on the roof of the barn and run uh, coils into the ground and use the heat from the sun to heat the barn in the winter and cool the barn in the summer. And I'm so glad he told me about that Because, of course, we have that technology available. It's been there for years. He did not have the money to follow his dream Mm -hmm. and try to develop it. But the information was there. It was in the air, and his receiver was turned on.
0: So we've got um, a dream narrative. And um, what's the first thing that we should look at in that dream? Is it the...
3: Well, I always say look at the setting okay. because that's like, um, you know, if you're going to a play, you want to know where does this drama take place? Um, so we're talking about location and building or landscape. Is it familiar? And if it is familiar, you want to begin questioning yourself or, or the dream partner. Uh, what do you think of when you think of that location?
0: So a lot of association is is what you're suggesting.
3: That's how we work with the dream content is Mm -hmm. your personal associations. And we also have universal symbols we can draw on, Mm -hmm. but our first approach should be your association, your association to that location. Mm -hmm. And then we go from there with um, people, objects, animals, um, and I am known for saying if you dream that the toilet flooded, don't just dismiss it as a dream because that could be a symbol that something is wrong, either with the toilet and the plumbing system or with your own mechanisms for getting rid of stuff that you no longer can use Mm -hmm. or that would mess up your life.
0: So I'm going to use uh, a P, the letter P, and I wrote down place, which is location, Mm -hmm. setting. What's another area that we want to look at? Would that be the people?
3: The people, yeah. You get your cast of characters, and you use the analogy of a theater every night. Um, So just like a play or a movie, you want to know the location, Who's in the story? What's the plot? You can add that to your list, um, and um, and then you look at the pattern of the the drama. How does this play out? And is there a parallel in your life? Where do you see a similar pattern? Or maybe this is just the mythology of your life, and it's showing up again. Uh, in your personal story, because you still have to figure some things out, I I claim that everybody needs to recover from childhood, and the dreams, working with the dreams is a good way of approaching
0: that. Doctor Janet Lindgren is our special guest. We're talking about dreams and the guidance contained within. We will be right back. We've got a caller online, and we'll take your phone call right after this. For the rest of you, we're at four oh two. Scott Colborn, Jim Shorty, and Dr. Jan Lindgren. We are exploring unexplained phenomena. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. We are just having lots of fun here. Uh, I'd like to bring on our first caller. Uh, Is this Jeff? This
5: is Jeff, Scott.
0: Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much. Uh, Say hello to Jan Lindgren. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Jan.
5: I had this dream when I was a young man, and it's the only dream I've ever really remembered, but, like, I was on the surface of the sun, but the sun was not covered with fire. It was covered with water, and I was floating around in the water, and there was all this furniture floating around me, and I went down. I was floating around, and and I was going over this waterfall, and I heard this voice say, thus the sun got its revenge.
3: I need to have you say that again. Uh, What was the message? Pardon? As you're going over the waterfall, what was the message?
5: It was, thus the sun got its revenge.
3: Thus? Thus
5: the sun got its revenge. Okay. That's all I remember about my dream.
3: Well, what have your thoughts been about that?
5: You know, I've never been able to figure it out, really, uh, except it was so mysterious that I couldn't comprehend it sometimes.
0: And this happened about what age, Jeff?
5: About when I was in maybe 19 or 20.
0: Okay.
3: Just at the cusp of adult life.
5: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's... And mythologically, the sun has so many, uh, there's so many stories around the sun. What do you think of when you think of the sun?
5: I think of the sun of
3: God. Oh. As opposed to S-U-N.
5: Well, the, the sun, S-U-N would, would be another, you know, I, I think of the sun as the sun in the sky, but since there was w- water flowing around in the sun, you know, we're all used to seeing the sun um, in the sky, warming our earth. But you know, this is a paradox. I don't totally yes, understand. it is.
3: Yes. Um, well, and then water is such a powerful symbol. What do you think? of when you think of a body of water like that,
5: I think of spirit.
3: Okay, so you're telling us. Uh, That the sun is equivalent to S-O-N, the son of God, and water is equivalent to the spirit. So what do you think this dream is about?
5: Perhaps finding my true identity or something?
3: And your connection with spirit.
5: Yeah.
3: Has your life evolved into that kind of a journey?
5: I I tend to... Believe in spiritual stuff. I hang out with a minister. We have a Bible study at my place every day, every week, and you know, I, I guess maybe you could have a, a connection with God or whatever. But maybe God having revenge.
3: Revenge. I don't know. Okay.
0: So what yeah. do you think it means? So if you had Jeff, if you had uh, the son. But instead of of uh, fire and gas, it was water. And you're you're floating there, so you're going over a waterfall. Yeah. And then you hear this. Uh, Thus, the sun goddess revenge. Goddess revenge. Yeah. What what kind of revenge could that be? Do you think?
5: Maybe. Um attacking non-believers or whatever or I don't know. are you a,
0: but would you be a non-believer
5: i'm I'm a believer but there was a time in my life when I didn't believe as much as I do now
0: okay how yep. about when you were nineteen
5: well i I was just starting i I was going to the episcopal Church and I guess I don't really really know how to interpret that but like um
3: I don't know well you're giving you're giving us an example of how the dreamers' associations reveal the meaning to the dreamer. if yeah. we had an hour to sit down and talk about this we yeah. we could get at you know a parallel for your life and what the symbolism was telling you about your spiritual journey. And yeah. I, could, I could say my guess is this is about your spiritual journey without your associations, but your associations are in essence proof of how to proceed with thinking about that dream. Yeah. Now, in the dream, you're kind of floating maybe lazily in the water and suddenly there's a waterfall so there's a disruption in that pattern. And a yeah. waterfall implies danger um, <clears throat> and a potential change in your yeah. life. Suddenly you're flooded with um, hormones, emotions, challenges. You know, adult life is ahead, it's not easy. Um,
0: Big change in in altitude, too. So you've got height. Yes. And then
3: suddenly you drop down. Suddenly you drop (laughs) way down.
0: So it's like uh, spiritually soaring, and then you're brought back to humanity.
3: Or maybe even spiritually being lazy. Adrift. Or adrift. That's a good word. And Well, there
5: there was a time when I drifted away from the church for a while.
3: And that has meaning for you personally in terms yeah. of coming back. Okay. So, um, if you were to research the symbolism of the sun, there would be so many different options. Um, in general, different um, uh, populations have looked yeah. at the sun as basically a masculine symbol. The yeah. The actual sun is you know, the father symbol, um, yeah. and um, and and perceived as the source of life. So you yeah. might take that into consideration as well. And obviously, you can make a connection to God through those um, mythologies about the sun. The water yeah. often. Uh, in dreams represents either emotion or the information in the unconscious. Now, when we talk about information in the unconscious, we're talking about your own personal unconscious because you cannot be consciously conscious of everything that's all ever happened in your life and it kind of gets put into storage. but also yeah. there's another layer. Of the unconscious that is connected with the cosmos, with um, all of life, uh, the analogy would be that there are radio waves in the air, but if you don't have a, a receiver, you can't pick up the station. You're listening to KZUM right now because your receiver is turned out, turned on. But the waves, the information is in the air, and it's that way with the unconscious. When I talked about my dad's dream, the information was in the air. Someone was going to pick it up and make it work. And today we have sun panels on roofs and people heating buildings and cooling buildings with that energy because it was in the air. So um, something, I mean, you're floating around in the unconscious, it would say to me that you definitely need to be conscious of what's going on in your life, conscious of things at a um, larger level in terms of spirituality. And it sounds like you're doing that with your life. Yeah. And so it may have been a predictor of what is to come, but also encouraging you to immerse yourself in this whole phenomenon of spirituality, which um, I think we're all called to.
0: Hey, Jeff, when, when you were 19 and had this dream, had you then, or when you were younger, had you been around an actual waterfall?
5: No, I wasn't around an actual waterfall, no.
0: So you never took it like I went to Niagara Falls when I was a kid with my parents. No, but
3: and no you I had didn't. you hadn't been rafting on the Snake River and suddenly tossed into the broil um, at the lower level. You hadn't okay. had that kind of experience.
0: Not really. No. Okay. Well, when 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 you think of a waterfall. Um, What does Jeff think of? Is there a physical, real waterfall in the world that your mind goes to?
5: Not really, but I I do think of, when I think of a waterfall, I think of possibly drowning.
3: Mm, Okay.
5: Because as I went down that waterfall in the dream, I was worried about drowning.
3: Okay. and. Let's assume I'm from Mars and I don't know what that word means. Tell me what drowning means. What are the... Drowning
5: means going underwater and being killed by the waterfall.
3: Okay, and how would you end up... um, How would it kill you?
5: It would kill me spiritually and... uh, um, I don't know.
3: And physically.
5: And physically, yeah.
3: And you wouldn't be able to breathe.
5: No.
3: And you'd be taking in too much water, and that would kill you. Yeah. See, as we describe, uh, well, I shouldn't say describe, as we identify the manifestation of the words that you use, as you give us your associations, we get more information. So then, uh, and thank you, Scott, for pursuing the questioning here, because... This throws another light on the whole picture that you're immersed in the world of spirit or, or the unconscious. But there is also the potential for being overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. This is the paradox. You want to have that connection with the unconscious. And at the same time, you want to keep one foot solidly planted on earth and everyday life.
0: That's a great way to phrase that, Jan.
3: And so I think that is the challenge for us um, as spiritual beings in a physical incarnation. Keep one foot solidly planted on the ground as you connect with that spiritual dimension and allow the growth that comes through that connection.
0: Jeff, how do we do?
5: You did good. Uh, you know, it's the only dream I've ever really remembered.
0: Well, I've got an idea for you. Okay. So now that we've talked about this, and this is yeah. something that your conscious and subconscious is thinking about, tonight when you go to bed, I want you to think about this dream yeah. and just hear yourself say, what is it that I need to know about this right now? And let yeah. it be revealed in a dream to me tonight. And let me have full recall upon awakening. Thanks very much for your help. Are you going to try? Do this three or four nights in a row.
3: <laughs> or forever, yeah. for the rest of your life,
0: Scott. Here we, here we go. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> okay, Jeff. Thank well, you so thank much you. for being part of the program today.
3: Thank you for Take sharing. Care.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, we're at 402. and that number again is 402-474-5086 you want to talk about one of your dreams give us a call and we'd be glad to to do that 402-474-5086 you want to hear jan yes my crazy fun dream
3: The audience doesn't know that you just opened your book as you asked the question.
0: So this is um, from December 27th, that night, just um, a couple weeks ago. Here we go. Um, In the dream, I drive up to a store. It's my store, but it's sort of an arcade A fun house, it's a different kind of store. As I walk up, I see a family of about eight people, with three to four of them being older teenagers who were smoking, getting ready to go in. I walk in the store and my mother, Gentry, is working a shift. It's pretty busy, so I asked her what time Our employee and friend, Krista, was scheduled to work, and Mom said 3 to 8 p.m. I said, I better call Krista and see if she can come in earlier. I walk over to the side of the interior of the store, and there's a door open to the outside. It opens to kind of a loading dock. One of the older teens is standing in the open doorway smoking a cigarette. So I remind him that there's no smoking inside the building. He smirks and continues smoking. The dream shifts to Mom and I standing at the top of a big metal slide in the store. The slide is about four feet across and goes down and then turns to the right and empties into a big pool of water. Mom is hesitant about going down the slide and goes about eight feet down, and then she's considering leaving the slide and stepping onto the open stairway to the right. I encourage her to go down the slide, and she does. A group of young people immediately go down behind her, and as mom slides into the water, they all slide into the water around her. She gets out wet, top to the bottom, and she's smiling. She looks younger. Then I wake up.
3: What an interesting dream. What were your first thoughts upon waking?
0: So I, uh, as you said earlier, I enjoy, and it's so rare for me, I enjoy having um, mom in a a dream. Um, Dad is probably the rarest. Uh, They've both been gone. Uh, Dad died in 1980, mom in 2014. So if I have one of the dreams, it's it's really special. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I did it at, for about 19 years. I did operate a store. So I employed people. And in fact, Krista is one of the people that used to work for us.
3: And your mom used to work there.
0: Mom used to work there. And uh, she uh, helped me raise a couple of kids. Uh, sometimes I would do an errand at the leave her in charge and she'd, uh, very capable to run the whole thing. Um, so the store environment felt, felt like I had experienced, but the mechanism, uh, was different. This is more of a, uh, arcade, a fun house. And so when I think of that, Jan, and couple that with that slide, I think about the amusement park at Capitol beach. Now, Jim, when we were kids growing up in Lincoln, we had this amusement park that was in Capitol Beach, and there was a ferris wheel, a merry-go-round. They actually had a fun house. And in that fun house was at least one slide. One of them was a wooden, highly polished slide that went over a series of kind of bumps and dips, and you'd get a gunny sack and sit down and push off and then you go down this. And I learned the hard way that when you're going down this thing to not put your elbows out because it Ouch. basically would, yeah, it would just <laughs> rub the, the skin right off your elbows. So I still have scars from that. Hmm. Um, and then Jan, uh, one of the things that that happened to me when I was a kid out there is It was nighttime and mom and dad said, okay, let's go back to the car. And I was racing my younger brother across the grounds, circling the outside of the grounds between the amusement park and the parking lot was a small uh, train track. They had a miniature train that went around. It was about the size of what we might see at the children's zoo, that sort of thing. rage and, and uh, 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 gauge and, and uh, just a smaller version. So it's dark and I'm running and I tripped over the first track and I fell down and I hit my head across the second of the track. And um, I'm not sure if I lost consciousness, but uh, I had a huge bump that swelled up on my forehead Mom and dad were concerned. They of took course. They took me to a hospital, and uh, they examined me and said, you know, keep this young guy awake for a while and uh, use ice packs. And, and so I had, for a couple of days, this huge bump. And uh, if I look at myself in the mirror, I actually can still see the place where, where I hit. Oh, my. Um, so... Uh, those are my memories out there. I mean, most of them are fun memories. I, uh, the amusement park was just a blast for us kids. It was like going to the state fair. You could go like any time during the year.
3: So there was always the opportunity for entertainment.
0: Yes. Yep.
3: And diversion.
0: Arcade, fun house, a different kind of store. Yes. And so it was a very fun place in the dream.
3: And when you say fun house, what's Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to mind?
0: Um, Youth, kids, uh, having fun. There could be arcade games, there could be physical things like the slides, uh, probably a, a larger jungle gym, if you will. Okay. But all sorts of fun activities for kids.
3: Okay, and now go to the image of the slide. You and your mom are standing mm-hmm. at the stop the top of the slide. Mm-hmm. Um, was this available to everybody who would come to the fun house? Yes. Would you pay a certain fee to come in or would you pay a fee per event? How did that the, handle? How did you handle that?
0: There was a flat fee to, to enter and then you had the run of the whole place. Okay. So you could go if you wanted to just do the slide, you could do the slide as many times as you wanted to. It was fairly steep, so it went down and then banked to the right, and it lets you off into this big pool of water, so you were going to get wet. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure if that's why Mom didn't want to go down at first, because she went down just about eight feet, then she actually stopped herself and was considering getting off the walkway was right there next to the to the, to the slide.
3: Okay. So but, I want you to think about going down the slide yourself, mm-hmm. and um, what would it mean to you to actually put yourself in the position to well, essentially let go mm-hmm. and fall fo- and let your body follow that um, pathway.
0: It would remind me also of Pioneer's Park when I was a kid sledding. Mm-hmm. Because they had this great big ramp, and we'd get up to the top, and then we'd sled all the way down. Mm
5: -hmm. And there was
0: exhilaration, there was speed, um, and there was some certainty that you were going to be okay at the bottom. You know, there were there were no uh, monsters waiting. Um, There were no. uh, It wasn't going to be bad. Uh, In this in this case, the the pool of water would remind me, although I've not done this physically, of something like Worlds of Fun. Okay. Um, Or I guess the sister park would be called Oceans of Fun. I've never been there, but it's an amusement park that has lots of slides and water and experience.
3: So what are the emotions you would experience at the top of the slide before you actually step into that phenomenon?
0: Uh, Exhilaration. Um, expectancy, heightened awareness, um, the thought came to me uh, also of this is sort of like the tower at Woods pool for those that uh, have never been there. They had at one time, these three levels that you could climb up and jump off. And the first was a little bit higher than a regular diving board the second was a higher and the third was pretty high you know i want to guess maybe easily 20 feet okay and uh so you saw other people go down and and you were pretty much assured you were going to be okay but when you got up there it was a whole different ball game it was it was
3: when you got up there what was it
0: yeah it was it was uh, a singular experience, um, and it took some doing to step off that, that top. Because? Because of the height. <laughs> and? <laughs> and have never having done it before.
3: Okay. Uh, just
0: as a short aside, my, my brother Craig wouldn't be listening, but he's probably the only person I know that eagerly climbed up to that top level and walked right off and jumped in. Mm -hmm. Everybody else, we would walk up and kind of walk to the edge and look down and go, okay, and then walk back. And then you sort of had this sort of back and forth before somebody in line said, hey, come on now, you're holding the lineup, you gotta go. And you didn't wanna lose face and and climb down. So once you got up there, you were pretty much committed to go.
3: And I'm really trying to lead you into naming the emotion that causes you to hesitate? Is there some fear? That- oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, there would, there would be fear that, uh, that you would hope that there would be a potential good outcome, but there would be some fear. Yes. And it's, it's the, um, the singular nature that, that you're no longer with a group of people, it's just you. And so you've got to...
3: On the precipice.
0: On the precipice, yes, yes. You've got to decide to step off and trust and or say, uh-uh. Right. And of course, for all those young people out there listening, just because a whole bunch of people jump off a cliff doesn't mean that you have to jump <laughs> off either. So you want to right. be really think about this. So
3: Yes, but uh, at the same time you've heard me say that we look at everybody in the dream as a part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I want you to think of gentry as a part of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the qualities that your mother represented that that are part of you and your feminine function?
0: Uh, Intelligent, friendly. um, Mom was probably the first... um, strong woman that I met she was very much an individual Uh, people always talked about her as being uh, very unique Mm -hmm. sometimes um, because of that she would rub some people the wrong way Uh, but she uh, she was definitely uh, her own person she had uh, her own drummer that she listened to Um, sometimes that was for the better sometimes it wasn't
3: okay Um, and I actually knew your mother Strong-willed. Yes.
0: um, But she was also the person, too, that you could say, could you do this for somebody? And she would would do that. Mm -hmm. So she was very generous.
3: So think about those qualities as part of yourself. Mm -hmm. And here is this person who represents part of you standing there at the top of the slide. What is she feeling before Mm -hmm. going down the slide?
0: I think she's probably feeling that same sort of feeling that I had at the top of the, the tower at Woods Pool. Mm-hmm. You know, wondering if she wants to go down, probably because she always had her hair done. You know, oh. <laughs> her, mother, her mother was a beautician. She was probably thinking, do I really want to go down? And, you know, I'm going to be sopping wet when I hit that pool. Yes. Um, she could have been also thinking about how busy the shift was and should she take that time to do that? As opposed to working and helping other people. Yes. So.
3: Okay. Well, and, you know, we just a few minutes ago talked about being at the edge of the precipice here. And uh, at the same time, you can see that it might be kind of scary going down. You end up in a pool of water Mm -hmm. and it would appear to be safe. Mm -hmm. And... um, You need to look at, is there a parallel in life today? Am I on the precipice of something that would take me Mm -hmm. to that kind of an experience where uh, like with the waterfall we talked about earlier, you drop down into another level of awareness or experience. You don't quite know what's gonna happen you could be immersed in the water, which we talked about before. It could be emotion or the unconscious. Um, you come out of it soaking wet. Your hair has to be done again. Uh, um, it ruined the hairdo. Um, and the hair, in universal language, represents um, thoughts um, because hair grows out of your head. And uh, so we could get into another discussion about that. So is there, you always want to say, where is the parallel in my life? Mm -hmm. Is something going on right now that feels like I'm at the edge of jumping in or being uh, compelled to slide to another level and into the unknown?
0: The answer would be yes, and that's all I'm prepared to say right okay. now, <laughs> at least right. on air.
3: But you know what that means for you yeah. personally, and your response is what we call uh, a recognition reflection. You can say, oh, yeah, but I'm not going to talk about it now, uh, so you know what that dream might be uh, referring to.
0: This is Dr. Jan Lindgren. We've got uh, Roger on the phone. Roger, stay right there. We'll do the bottom of the hour break. We'll come back with your questions and your dream. And uh, Jan, may I give out uh, contact information for you?
3: Yes, my phone number, dream. And you can say that I do dream talk once a month, second Sunday, three to five, but they would need to call me.
0: So uh, Jan's phone number is 402-488-1916. And uh, every second Sunday, she offers a get-together group for people interested in dreams and dream interpretation. Uh, the requisite is that you need to contact her first, and that's called Dream Talk. It's every second Sunday. And from- 3 to one, 5. 3 to 5 p.m. And you can call her again at 402-488-1916. Scott Colborn here with Jim Shorty and Dr. Jan Lindgren. Roger's on deck here with his dream. Stay tuned, we've got more show coming up right after this. Scott Colborne with Jim Shorty and our special guest, Dr. Jan Lindgren. And we've got Roger on the phone. Are you there, Roger? Uh, Yes, I am. Hi, Roger, good morning. Say hello to Dr. Jan Lindgren.
6: Yeah, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Lindgren. Good morning, Roger. Thanks for taking my
3: call. You're welcome.
6: So should I just get started describing it? Or? Oh, please.
0: Yeah, we'd love to hear about your okay. dream.
6: Okay. Um, well, maybe first just a touch of context. I, um, I would say probably in the last year or six months I've been dreaming more um, and actually, re- I guess, dreaming more and then being more kind of vivid and story-like. And uh, um, so this dream in particular took place. I think it was the night of December 19th and I wrote it down and that's really the only time I've ever written down a description of a dream so it's not like I'm a big dream journaler or something but I recognize its importance or value. Okay. Um, So that's kind of some context. (laughs) Um, And this dream had a couple of parts. Um, And the setting is I, I find myself I'm in a big fancy mansion and there's a lot of exotic people around kind of a gathering a party type situation and they all have are of high intelligence, and that intelligence isn't expressed in a variety of different ways. And I'm put into a chair, and I'm gonna be tested by someone I describe as a, a power woman um, who's been called in by the others, um, and others will be observing this test. And so some music is put on, and I have something attached to my head, and my brainwaves are being observed um, for my reaction to the music. And then also I'm being asked to do a variety of different tasks, um, building things out of small, um, like puzzle-type things, and uh, drawings, those types of things. And then the woman unexpectedly started throwing kind of soft, sponge-like, like little Nerf balls at me, first one at a time and then two at a time. And in, that was in the midst of I was doing some other task or test. And I had caught each one of those um, as they were coming at me. And, and that ended up being part of the test as well. And so the people around were impressed with the results and my skills, I guess. And immediately they started holding me in kind of like a higher regard and interacting with me differently, having observed those things. So that's kind of the end of that phase. And then um, I'm still in that same kind of mansion, a vibe of exoticness, um, and me being maybe somewhat of an outsider or a guest to this gathering. So that's still taking place. And now I'm seated in a, in a different chair in a different setting. Um, and at this point, then, uh, a younger man comes towards me and I described him and as I'm, as I'm writing it here is my perception is that he's like a power man. And it's only me and him and a couple of other people are around, and I'm sitting in a chair, and he's facing me. Um, and this guy is wearing kind of like a robes. Um, he's got red hair and a, kind of a scrawny beard and necklaces around his neck. And I noticed that one of the necklaces that's hanging around his neck is broken, so it's just hanging open like if you would drape a towel around your neck. And at the end of the one of the broken parts of the... At the end of one of these, of the, of the necklace that's broken, is a skull, and it's like in three dimensions, a pendant. And I point this out to this, this guy that the necklace is broken, and he takes the strand off, and he holds it out in front of me, and he asks me which skull is broken. Um, but there's only one skull, it's just the one that's on the end, and that's it. So I thought it was a little bit of an odd question. And I, and I leaned forward, and I quickly, playfully touched the hanging skull that was with my finger. Um, and this guy reacts. It upsets him, what I had done. And he, uh, and I think he was taking the question and my response much more seriously than I was. I was being playful, and all of a sudden he was very serious. and The tone changed in our interaction, or my perception of him. Um, so then he puts the necklace strand back around his neck and steps back and looks directly at me. And at this point, I'm feeling somewhat irreverent and I suppose kind of cocky towards him um, and kind of thinking like, well, what are you going to do now, Mr. Sirius? You know, all I did was touch this. And here we are. So he holds his hand, his right hand up in front of me. Um, he's maybe a couple of steps back away from me, a couple, yeah, six feet. And his palm is facing me and he begins to slowly move that His hand around, kind of like he's, I don't know, like stirring up some power or something like that. And his appearance doesn't change. And then he slowly moves closer to me. And then with his palm facing me, he moves his palm quickly towards me, towards my face, but doesn't touch it until like arm's length away. And with that extension, a ball of white light comes shooting out of his hand and it hits me right in the face. And it fills my whole vision with white light. Um and at that moment when that white the light hit my face I could feel in my actual body just this pulse of energy just like shoot right through me and kind of out my skin and at that point I wake up and I'm laying in bed and uh it was um uh, my alarm had went off a couple times already and it was time to get up and uh like that pulse that I felt I think literally was like a general adrenaline coursing through my body, or something. Of course, yeah, the physical world, not the you, dream world. Well, your um, body
3: responds as if this is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the body responds to the dream image as a reality.
6: Of course, yeah. yes, yeah, definitely. So I'm about I'm about done. So it's um, and so I'm awake and um, and I didn't feel rattled by what had just taken place. It was more just kind of like, wow, that was just really something. You know, yes. to have that. Especially that last crescendo, I guess you would describe it as. Um, and then the only other reaction was, was I, well, was that what I wrote down was that I was surprised that this young man, you know, actually conjured up some energy and threw it at me, and I, I didn't expect that, and because um, I hadn't really been taking him seriously. So that's the that was what I um, wrote, experienced, in some of my initial reactions to
0: it. So Roger, I'm gonna jump in here before Jan does and just say that this is really uh, some dream. And what I wanna to suggest to you, we can talk with you for a little bit, but we won't be able to get into depth. You need to probably go to Jan's dream group. This would be a great one to have Jan and the group work on. So we've we've got mm-hmm. about eight minutes left. Jan, I'm gonna turn it over to you here.
3: Yes. I. First thing I want to know is, were you influenced by any drugs or alcohol uh, as you went to sleep?
6: No, I've been sober for many years.
3: Okay, so there wasn't any kind of outside intervention that would open you up to the unconscious in a a dramatic way.
6: Right. Okay. Right,
3: yeah. So this is, as Scott said, quite a dream. I would say, wow. um and there's a That's lot why i wrote it
6: down
3: oh yes um I'm sorry yeah um don't apologize um yes quite a dream um and um we want to go back to um the setting the setting yes tell us what you think of uh when you think of this Fancy mansion with these uh, really exotic people who are very intelligent. What, what comes to your mind?
6: Um, I'd say it's it's um, in part that uh, I belong in that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm intelligent as well, and I don't know, exotic and. and and at the same time, there's this a little bit of a pretentiousness that I don't want to have be a part of me as well. So there's kind of a pull and a push or a, a sense of welcomeness as well as not as, as wanting to be able to still keep some distance for the pretension.
3: Okay. Now, does this building remind you of anything you know or know of in your life? Have you been in a building like this uh, with people like this?
6: Uh, not not so much. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it's the idea of like, uh, or you know, those grand staircases and marble and stone and, and just large open expanses of, of, of created structural
0: space. In the city in which you live, Roger, uh, is there a building like this that if I was from Mars and said, what's a big fancy mansion like? You'd say, oh, it's, and you'd point your finger.
6: Oh. And what what would a town, what would a building I would point to
0: be? Yeah. In Um, the town that you live in, is there a big fancy mansion?
6: Sure. Um... I can't think of a mansion itself, but, you know, certainly I live in Lincoln, so like the state capitol or Sheldon Art Gallery, something like that. Um, again, it's like stone. Stone's a big thing that's, that really is resonating with me. Um, you know, and kind of large, but not so cavernous that you feel like lost within it. Um, then there's water elements too. There's like you know, ideas of, like, fountains, and there was a large pool that was also present that I didn't talk about. There was another little part that... Um,
3: well, um, yeah. let me say um, for starters here that often um, when you dream about being in a, in a large mansion that implies <clears throat> other rooms, other uh venues within the context of that mansion that often it represents a potential that is yet to be lived into um, so that it's like all these possibilities are there uh, the, the house the building often represents your psyche and your sense of of self as you grow and develop. So this immediately, for me, uh, signals unlived potential. And here you are being tested as if to say, well, let's find out if you qualify. Let's find out if Mm -hmm. you really are one of us. Um, And so um, what comes to my mind is reading um, years ago P. D. Ospinsky, um, who was um, um, writing about the conscious circle of humanity. And I remember thinking in my 20s as I'm reading this, well, I want to be a part of the conscious circle of humanity. And I'm reminded of that as you describe the situation and these people. But I've had all these years of my life to think about this, and what it would mean is living your life at a different level because you are making an effort to, to consciously experience everything that is out there as potential for yourself. And, and the fact that you're being tested... Um, is significant. What do you think of when you think of being tested?
6: Yeah. Um, I think it uh, it's certainly that idea of like, think um, like you had touched on in terms of like, there was a sense of being an outsider, but then being more welcome with the group of exotics, you know, having whatever, did what I had done with those, I guess, passed the test or whatever the results were. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me personally, I think, you know, it could be thinking of, it could be looked at as more of like, you know, the tests aren't necessarily with people or, you know, balls coming at me, but rather just every physical or every life event that presents itself in front of me is an opportunity to have a test to then like rise to the occasion and and, and grow, you know, I, I'm certainly, um, on a path and doing my best to, uh, develop myself and, and in qualities that are maybe not just part of the mundane everyday life world. Um,
3: that's a good so what you
6: had said earlier. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: Well, we have, we're, so we're running earlier, out of right? time Sure, sure. And I think you've got a good idea of what you might be called to. And you have these two powerful Mm -hmm. people who are involved as part of yourself in this adventure. And um, if we don't ever get to talk about this again, I would say um, potential has been presented, and I hope you can live into it. Thank you for Mm -hmm. calling.
6: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for um, listening and and for your perspectives and
0: your questions.
3: Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Thank you, Roger. Uh, For people interested in the work of Dr. Jan Lindgren, her phone number is 402-488-1916. And the group that she holds is called Dream Talk. It meets every second Sunday here in Lincoln, and a prior requisite is that you contact her first. Uh, Dr. Jan Lindgren, L-I-N-G-R-E-N. The number again is 402-488-1916. Uh, Jan, in 30 seconds or less, um, wh- what do you have planned for the next week or month?
3: Well, I'm settling in from a trip to Sacramento. Okay. And I've been living on California time and I have to get back <laughs> oh <my>. to <laughs> Central <laughs> Standard Time. Um, and get my sleep schedule straightened out. But I certainly had, it hasn't interfered with my dreams.
0: I told Jim off mic today that uh, last night was an anomaly for me because I just, I hardly slept and I have all the tricks of my trade to help me sleep. And none of that was working last night. So I know that tonight I am going to sleep very deeply. <laughs> i just going to get through today. Uh, and we
3: have to, and maybe
0: per chance to dream.
3: Yes, maybe there'll be a dream that helps you absolutely uh, uh, get some clarification on Thank your you. challenge or adventure.
0: Thank you, Jim. What do you got planned for the the weekend or the next week here? I'm going to stay warm, and we're going to hit 40s, I think, coming up this week. Uh. F-
1: Maybe towards the end of the week. Right now it's cold. Yeah, it is cold. We're talking uh, sub-zero right now. Or well, not sub-zero, but sub-freezing, I should say. More snow coming, maybe, too. A little huh? bit tomorrow, yeah.
3: And you live in Nebraska.
1: That's yeah, Nebraska. We're we used should not to it. be
3: surprised.
1: Yeah, I, I, I spoke with Paula on the phone earlier. I don't think she had any sympathy for us.
3: That's She's about doing. keeping yeah. one foot firmly planted on the ground. Sure.
1: Is. <laughs> I live in Nebraska. I have to be used to it, or I should move somewhere else, right?
3: Adjust, adapt.
1: Uh, Adjust and adapt. Yes. And we have our next programmer walking in the door here. Who do we have? Hi, this is Kellen uh, from American Music on Wednesday mornings. Uh, I've been asked to stop in for Beta Radio, and I have a special movie edition show for you today. Hope you enjoy it. Awesome sauce. We're really looking forward to that. And uh, Dr. Jan, thank you once again. This has been a great show. We've had people relate some interesting adventures today.
3: Life is an interesting adventure.
1: It is. Yes, it is. It's yes, it is. Dreams.
3: so thankful to be part of it.
0: Okay, Scott. Okay, with that, we'll see you next week. Our special guest is Preston Dennett. We've got some great stories about ET contact uh, always fun to talk with our friend Preston Dennett. Thanks to Jan Lindgren for coming down today to the studio. Uh, really great to have you. Jim, thank you for all your help. Great fun. And stay tuned for Kellen. We've got some great beta radio coming up right after this. Until next week, I'm Scott Colborne, Walk Beauty.